Hello everyone, uh, my name's Stephen aka Mr. CJ with a, another episode of the DIY Musician Guide podcast. I'm here as ever uh, with Justin, my good friend down below, but we've also got an awesome guest this this side, I can never get that right, it's uh, Trey of the experimental rock band Eyeball. Oh, I'm coming out really loud on here as well. There you go, that's better. I was playing in the background. Um, first question, which I've, it's only just come to me, Trey. Um, eyeball, is it all in capitals? Uh, usually, because I think it just stands out better. I was thinking that was the reason. I was thinking it's either that or you might have come up with some like awesome acronym that, I, you know... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> In the old uh, photocopy fanzine days, it was just standard to put band names in all caps so they stand out in, in a block of text uh, as a band. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah. I just kind of, you know, always kept that because it, you know, it does stand out and you can tell it's not uh, the name of a place or, you know, depending on the band name, sometimes it's not obvious. You know? Did it? We were you... never really part of that, were we? No. Well, you know, we were sort of on the cusp. Yeah, you know, we, we, I mean, in Liverpool we had what Beto Lito that was yeah still runs kind of um, the closest thing that we had to a fanzine, I suppose. But this was like pre-internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the moment the internet came, the all that cool stuff went away. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, do all they the... still do flyers? Yeah, flyers are, are still sure? a thing. Sometimes, when was the last time you had um, one? <laughs> so it's a good point. I don't think I've, I haven't seen one in the flesh, but I'm sure they exist. I found a Minion TV one the other day right. from Zanzibar. Just so you know, first that was team. our band we were in, Trey. Um, first, mm. uh, first band we were in. Um, clearing the loft out, and it was up there. Wow. And so we we did actually did the same thing with the capital letters after a while to make it stand out in the same way. Um, for Minion TV, the first band we were in. So I, I, I just thought that was quite interesting because you did a similar thing there. But did, did you ever come across any other bands with the same name? Uh, yes, there was one in Germany, I think, in the early 90s. But hmm. they have uh, they were kind of like a hardcore band. Oh. And uh, it was easy to tell that we weren't them and vice yeah. versa. But uh, they they broke up and went away, and then there was another band in um, here in the states. But they hardly had done much at all. And I wrote them and said, you know, hey, cool name, uh, <laughs> keep using it. We're gonna keep using it if it comes down to you know we get confused, we'll just have a fight to the death. That's fine. <laughs> and it's never been an issue because we're like the only psychedelic one. And so I yeah. think if somebody searches for us, it's obvious that that's us. So. And sometimes you've got to, all you've got to do is last longer to win anyway, because you'll last longer than all of these. So other far, bands. so good, yeah. Yeah, you've got good things. Right, we're going to get to our first question, yes, right? Life as well, What was that, Justin? You just that's a bit robotic. A message for life as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just last longer than people. <laughs> Those Actually, who lives longer. Before we get into our first question, I, you might as well talk about you know the current situation with the lockdown. You know what, what's it like in North Carolina at the moment? It's starting to ease up a little now. Um, I think this is month four. I don't know. I'm losing count, but uh, yeah, you know, is everybody stay home? And I think it was just to go get food. And I really didn't leave the house for two months, and wow. uh, um, you know, see anyone but my wife. And 
uh, oh my God, I've got all, all these, uh, boring projects done that I put <laughs> off. I, 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 yeah, it's, I've read every book, um, watched, uh, all of Netflix. Okay. You finished Netflix. Completed it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much the same here, although it's, uh, it's a little bit looser now. I actually got my first mask the other day. And um, I, I don't know if over there, I think you have to wear masks. Is that right? Is that when You're you go supposed out? supposed to. Uh, yeah. So many people don't. Um, no. We, yeah, we, so... we, it's kind of been up and down over here. At first, they told us uh, you don't need to wear masks. But now they're saying you have to wear it on public transport. So I got a mask anyway. But as soon as I went into a shop with one, it snapped <laughs> straight away. Um, and I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> What's that? Anyway, how lucky am I? What about you, Justin? Do you have a mask or anything? Or anything for your yeah, kids? I've got a bunch, but uh, I don't really go out. So, mm. yeah, I'm in the same. Like, I haven't left the house. I mean, I've been to Tesco around the corner, little supermarket, mini-mart type thing um, once. And that was all right. That was fun. That was like a rush yeah. of adrenaline because that's the first shop I've been to in two months. Wow. More than two months. Um, you know, uh, here it's been April, May, um, whatever, of June. So, yeah, it's coming up to three months of being inside now. It feels like, I think it's like 13 weeks or 12 or 13 weeks. I've been counting that because I started doing the Tuesday live streams when we went into lockdown. And that's, that's like, I just hit the 13 episode of that. It's crazy. It's, it feels like, uh, I don't know if you've seen Alien 3. <laughs> I don't know why movie quotes are just coming to me, but there's a part in Alien 3 where she said, talks about the alien, said it's been part of my life so long, I can't remember anything else. And that's what it feels about the lockdown. I don't remember a time before the lockdown. Uh, let's go to the comments before we go to questions. And we've got uh, Ashley's in, saying howdy. He's our resident mod, uh, and obviously he was on the last podcast. Um I was about to show my own comments. Sam Rogers is in. Hello, Sam. Barry says hello, so we know we exist. This is because uh, I put the uh, the pinned comment every week saying, say hello, so you know exist. I always expect Barry to come back with that. Good vibes from Sam. And Ashley says, you could be left eyeball and right eyeball. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> to kind of differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself from the other eyeballs. <laughs> I haven't got that one before. That's actually interesting. I That's quite interesting. We are or the the cyclops, I guess. Yeah. Eyeball. If you ever did a side project, maybe that's something you could do as well. You could be the other eyeball. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not stealing that. The the other ball. Maybe though. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe stay clear of singular balls. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So, first question: What first got you into music? It's a basic question, really, but can you earliest memory of being like, oh, you know what? I think I like music. I think this is a thing. Uh, I, did, I would have to say my father. He uh, had a huge album collection, and he was a musician uh, at one time. Um, and uh, my, the childhood home I lived in, he actually wired up speakers in the ceiling of each room of the house, and above the light switch was a volume knob. So it was strange to walk through the house and whatever was playing on the turntable was wow. in every room. Wow. And you know, I think nothing of it until I got older. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. It was no? Kind of really cool. Um, 
and uh, uh, as I became a teenager, there was always, I don't know how it is there, but here it's like about an hour and a half before the parents came home from work. You know, you got home from school earlier than them. And so I'd, you know, go through his albums and um, wasn't supposed to, but I did, you know, and uh, just devoured all that stuff of, you know, looking at the covers and all yeah. that. And, uh, I, you know, before that, I was just like, whatever's on. But then one day I, I uh, put on uh, Rush, Exit Stage Left. My dad had that. And it just blew my mind. And that was the first time I remember saying, okay, that's a bass guitar. That's a electric <laughs> guitar. That's, you know, and really like, I guess, cause they were a three piece, it was easy to do that or something. I don't know. But that was like my first memory of, uh, figuring it out, so to speak. Yeah. And then, um, I think, um, the first album I ever got was the Beatles, uh, red album. Um, my parents got me and with a little tiny, suitcase kind of record player wow and uh then um you know it was always a guitar around the house and my grandmother had a piano and um uh my cousin had a drum set which i ended up getting from him years later and that started the whole thing and uh I've just been ever since i just constantly constantly listen to music play music uh, I had a drum set burn in a fire one time. And I think that was like eight months before I got another drum set. And that was the longest span in like 35 years. That I haven't played. Oh my word. So, uh, it's just, just fell in love with it and can't live without it. You know? Yeah. We should say at this point that you are primarily the drummer of eyeball, but I, I, you do play keyboards and sing as well. Don't you? I look at yeah. Yeah. Well, not at the same time. I wasn't going to be the singer, but I just kind of <laughs> fell into it. Um, and uh, when we recorded, I, I did the synthesizer work because we didn't have somebody then. But since yeah. then, we've gotten like a proper synth player that's like yeah. way more knowledgeable that stuff than me. I just I told the engineer what I wanted, let him set everything up, and I just kind of one fingered the chords, you know. Yeah. I kind of know my way around a little bit, but um, that's that how you get me. into it, yeah. Yeah, and I have yeah. a synth uh, to the left of my drums that I may mostly just do weird sounds with and stuff. Yeah. I don't really play music, so to speak, with it. You know, but yeah, and singing, I was, when we formed the band, we were going to get a proper singer, but um, I just got this vocal processor that's got all the robot voices and crazy Love weird it. things in it. And I just kind of <laughs> hide behind that a little bit, you know, and uh, it just got better as the time went on. So. It's interesting you say hide behind that. I always feel like that with uh, effects, you know, guitar effects and you know synthesizers, until the point where you realize actually, I actually really like the way these things sound, and I actually really like you know playing them. But I think there's a kind of a guilt associated with just pressing a button and making an amazing sound when you first get into um, music. Yeah, you can get away with murder. Um... Yeah. <laughs> There was a really good clip of uh, the Edge, uh, Edge from U2, um, showing off all his effects, and then he turned off his guitar, and it was just like ding, 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 ding. And I was like, "Well, does that make him less of a musician?" No, it doesn't. No, because the the art is the knowledge and the skill of using those pedals to make. You know, they're just an extension of um the instrument that, you, uh, that you're playing they're instruments in some ways in their own right yeah 
you know, don't make, I mean, yeah, maybe he's not an amazing guitarist in the same way that like a, I don't know, classical music uh, guitarist might be or something like that. But, you know. It's apples and oranges though, isn't it? I suppose, it's, you know, because you might have a classical guitarist there who's absolutely stunning, amazing, but I'd, I'd probably rather listen to you two in the early stuff anyway. Rather oh, than that. Get that classical mus- musician one in front of a Digitech whammy and <laughs> <laughs> don't know what to do. You, you think know? you're onto something there? I'd like to hear that, to be honest. Just put loads of reverb, <laughs> see what happens. Uh, interesting thing you said about um, when you were a kid l- l- sifting through albums. I always love that. Like a lot of people say that, and I always remember it from the film Almost Famous. You know, you've seen that film. And at the start, he's 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 been left loads of records by his sister who's played by i can't remember her name is the girl from new girl can't remember and it was always like a magical moment i remember seeing that i was like oh wow that's great and i kind of made it up in my mind that's what happened to me when i was a kid but that didn't happen to me i mean i think i went through my parents records and it was abba and um you know just stuff that i wasn't gonna be into when i was a kid and i was like all right but I did have that same moment you had, I suppose, you, with Rush, but I had it with the Beatles when I was lying in bed. And I was it, I was just listening to, I think it was the Red album, what, the Red or the Blue album anyway, and just hearing the stereo mixes. Like, I know the Beatles weren't really massive fans of stereo at, at that point, but I, I was obsessed with it when I was a kid, just hearing what they were doing with the field. It was just like, wow, music is for me. And there's always that moment where you get big tingles up your spine. And I don't... Th- I've got a feeling like non-musicians maybe don't get that as much because it's at that point we want to know more, I suppose, and then we want to make it ourselves or step into that world. So I suppose that's is that what that ha- happened to you when you heard Rush? It was just like, okay, I want to I want to do this, or I, I'm interested in how this was made. I don't know what it was. It's that magic thing you can't really put a name on because you know you turn the music off and it's gone so what, yeah. what really is music it's just you know the sound but i do remember the drum solo and mm-hmm. of course you know rush drum solo doesn't get better than that and it <laughs> totally blew my mind and made me want to be a drummer and i still can't play one rush song to this oh, day, really you know? but, uh, um it just uh i don't know it just my mind was completely blown it's well, Rush are kind of up there. It's like I, I've said before, I'm I'm not the biggest, say, prog fan. And Rush, I can probably name a couple of tracks. I like the band. I've seen one of the documentaries, and I thought they were the most amazing people. And really, um, uh, but I just couldn't get into the music. I think part of it, as I'd listen to it, and I'd be like, I'd never be able to be played like that, you know. And Neil Peart's drummer, isn't it? Well, was mm-hmm. the drummer. And he was an amazing drummer, but also a great lyricist as well. And God, just to be able to, I don't know, sometimes I, I, I'll i see, like the classical music, musician, the example Justin gave before, sometimes I'll see someone like that and think, well, oh, I could never touch that. I'll never be able to be like that. I suppose that kind of turned me off a little bit. Um, just being able to enjoy it in a kind of uh, an emotional level rather than a kind of a log- logical one. And that kind of uh, put me off rush. rush. Okay, so... I th- so I want to find the connection for where when you were young and you listened to music to the point where you picked up the drums, what's that point? What got you into go, I want to play an instrument? Can you remember? Um, well, I was playing guitar because there was always one around the house and I thought I was going to be a guitar player. And, uh, oh. and I still play. I'm not 
you know, so good, but um, my cousin had a drum set and he was uh, cleaning them up to sell. And my father had bought me and my sister bicycles and he was going to hide them over at his house until Christmas. Wow. And he was putting them in the barn and saw he was cleaning them up and he bought the drums from him for my Christmas present. Oh, so uh, that's just started everything. And um, being a drummer, it's easier to get in bands because there's just so many guitar players. And so, few drummers. <laughs> yeah. so once I got the hang of it, I was getting bombarded. And still to this day, you know, people always asking me and I just that was so much, so much time in the day. But uh, so. Um, <clears throat> um where did you, know, where's your practice? And, uh, whatever i could do on the drums and uh what was i doing uh back then it was like power metal was sort oh of wow the thing you know um were you play at home were, where were you playing with your drums were you able to play at home bring them home for a bit or yeah i had them in the bedroom you... drove my wow. parents crazy but they bought them for me so you know hey because <laughs> i remember uh, getting my first electric guitar and driving my parents crazy, but at least you, that had a volume knob with drums. At least you, I suppose you could put cushions and things in them. But yeah, yeah. Were, they, were they okay with that? Yeah, you guys can uh, you know play with headphones on and don't have to change your technique at all. No the drums, if you tap them, you know it's still kind of too loud. Even a practice pad can be annoying. You know, somebody in the next room sounds like you're making popcorn. To go point that as well about technique because. I suppose, as I said, with us, we we just learn in the same way. But as a drummer, you've got to learn to be more kind of tactile with the drums. So you, all you're doing, if you're trying to play really like low, is playing low. You're going to learn how to play like that rather than be a bit more bombastic with it. It's so, totally different, yeah. Yeah, but your might parents were alright. Might be why there's not. You, you need somewhere to make the noise. You know, you need a. Um... A vehicle to haul them around you know it's it's a lot of dedication you know yeah. and all the money for cymbals and drum heads and all Never that ends. stuff yeah you know it goes on and on with the dedication you know you can't just like you know guitars you can go on a camping trip <clears throat> yeah me, just bring your guitar along you know yeah. Stuff like that, yeah nobody ever says oh oh bring your drums along <laughs> no one ever, no one's ever gonna say that did you have a car at this point as well when you start playing drums or just after i did yeah, so you had you like hatchbacks and trucks okay. and vans and you know and I've never had like just a car you know. Well, you were the perfect drummer then. You had a drummer and a car, so every band must have been like, "Join us, join us," and also yeah. ferries around. That, that happened to us. Still like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you still argue about petrol money. Uh, okay, next question. So, how did you find band members? Um, presuming, uh, did you were you in other bands before Eyeball? Oh yeah, I've been in so many Loads. bands, uh, um, mostly rock and metal, but I've done the blues and cover bands and tribute bands, and uh, my musical DNA is all over the place. So it's just kind of like when one band breaks up, I try and do something different the yeah. next time just to see if I can. Um, so for eyeball uh, let's see i i was in like three bands at one time and wow uh it was really strange they they all kind of broke up all in the same month <laughs> for various reasons um and for the first time i was uh i didn't know what i was going to do because i hadn't been bandless in like i don't know 20 years or something and uh 
so uh, I remember sitting on the couch on a Saturday night, like, well, what do people do? You know, what, what do normal <laughs> people do? You know, the civilian life, I'm, uh, I'm familiar with it. And I was like, well, okay, I could join and join another band because mostly mm. it was joining bands that had lost their drummer because I didn't want to go back to square one. I wanted to join something already established so I can kind of like get up and running pretty quickly. And that's what I've been doing for years and, and or joining cover bands because you can kind of get up and running pretty quick and you know yeah. get spending money and that sort of thing. But I was like, well, what do I want to do? So it's, it's like, so I don't know if this is like a midlife crisis band or whatever, but I said, I'm going to do exactly what I want to do this time. Right. And if it fails, I, I can always go back to that other stuff. So um, I kind of just put it all down on paper. I said, okay, I want something, something non-commercial, something very arty. Uh, you know, I, I don't care if it makes a dime ever, whatever. Sure. I just want to like get this out of my system. And um so then I started thinking about musicians. I said, I got to surround myself with like-minded people for one thing. I don't care if they're like crazy talented, but, or what, I don't get to just got to have like a similar vision, you know? Yeah. And um, so uh, the first was uh, the guitarist I have, uh, Miriam Martian. She had played in another band that the band I was in at the time shared a bill. And uh, this is like four years before we formed. And I just remembered her from that gig. And she was just very like strange and arty and didn't sound like anyone. Cause there's so many guitar players that to me sort of sound like each other. Yeah. Um, no offense, but I think you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and she was like all in left way out in left field. So I, I you know, I called her up and uh she hadn't played in like four years or something or a couple of years. And she's like, okay. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know how this is going to work. She hasn't played, but uh, we hit it off right away. We met for coffee and just talked. And that's usually what I like to do before an audition. It's just like talk and just see it's if we're no. on the same page. Yeah. And um, so as soon as she said, let's do it. I got, I rented a band room, put carpet on the walls, bought a PA, put my drums in there and we were off and running. And uh, we didn't know what we were going to do. We just made noise and did iPhone videos and that kind of thing. Then uh, it got a little more complicated. Okay. Now we're starting to write songs. So I got a. Oh, oh can you still hear me by the way? Yeah. Sorry. I have some reason I've frozen uh, I got the bass player, uh, Keep going. Brian, who I knew from another band. Um, and sent him some of those videos and he was down right away. And then we recorded and started getting off the ground, made a video. Then uh, it was all before we played gigs. We already had videos and things out. And uh, um, then the keyboard player took a little longer because there was some fits and starts with some members that didn't work out. It's, it's kind of hard to find someone with all that sort of equipment and know-how and all that stuff. And uh, so uh, he, he answered to ad I, I placed, this guy Aaron, and um, he was totally into it right away. And it just sort of fell into place. It was, it was almost like too easy. Did you do all this through something? Was this all through the internet or were you putting ads in like music shops and things? Um, the 
synth player was through the internet. Um, the bass player I knew and the guitarist, I, I, I sort of knew who she was, but you know, we weren't like friends or anything until yeah. the band. So. so it was a little long story, but um, no, I but love the fact. It was put together on paper first. Yeah, that's what I love about it. I like the fact that you had a plan. Most of us just stumble into these things and then go, oh, what you want to do? But I like the idea that you you went into it with no massive expectations, just what you kind of wanted to do. And I think um, a lot of bands start off with these crazy expectations of, like, I want to conquer the world, I want to gig all around the world, or I want to part 70 albums. But you were just like, no, this is exactly what i want to do and I'm, I'm assuming that you know you've probably got some aspirations but you know you're not you're going to kill yourself over it by <laughs> the sound of it well yeah, do you have man. what other plans uh, going forward you've got the initial plan with the band do you do you know where you're going to go in the next like five years or it's just see how it goes now you've got mostly, that mostly see how it goes i mean i I have the realization that we are playing sort of underground psychedelic music. Yeah. So I can't take it, but so far, you know, yeah, I guess it's true. we have a fan base, but everyone's just so spread out and, you know, <laughs> it's not the most common form of popular music, you know, but yeah. I've played like in cover bands that were variety music and played like really popular songs and, I just wasn't that into that stuff, you know. I mean, you know, the audiences were huge and all that, but um, at the end of the day, I just felt kind of like I wasn't really getting it out, you know, what I wanted to do. And yeah, this, you know, we, yeah. we would play in front of like 15 people, and you know, one guy comes up like, "Oh my god, that blew my mind! You guys are amazing!" And to me, yep. that stuff's kind of better than getting paid, you know. That's enough, isn't it? Yeah, we, we often talk about this. We did a show where literally nobody came. Um, apart from like our wives and we were like oh that's gutting and then we went out and the sound guy or the guy who was taking tickets or didn't take any tickets said wow that was great and that put a smile on our faces because we at least the guy in the foyer had said it was good and we were like all right but it's oh, like one fan, <laughs> one fan. <laughs> but it's but it it's, was... it's true it's true it's like sometimes that is worth way more than you know anonymous fans or Doing something that you're not you're not really happy about doing. I don't do it for the fans. <laughs> well, even though you you know, I do I do videos about you know how to use TikTok and the likes of social network platforms and things like that. But all fully aware that I don't think the music that I make, um, a possibly your music would actually do well on a platform like that because it's all the instant gratification of you know, in the first two seconds you need the chorus. You know, right, right. our songs probably don't even have choruses in this in the traditional senses. You know, so it's it's quite interesting that we kind of realise that. But it's good also that we connect with what we actually want to do. What you know, what we're passionate about musically, because I think that's really important. Because I I did the same thing. I did well. Justin and I were in a cover band years ago, and if you're doing the same, if you're doing that now. I just don't think you'd be happy. I think I would have quit years ago and don't got a normal job or whatever, you know. So it's it's cool that you had a plan and you've stuck with you know, what you're really passionate about. And it's one of I think music's great. By the way, uh, I did actually do like a mini review on Twitter a while ago about it, and I think that's how we crossed paths originally, maybe or through one of my videos. I can't remember, but um, that's how I got into it. Uh, so okay, next question: How do you get shows then? 
So you've got your band members, you've got your band. How did you go about getting shows? I think this might give some value to people out there who are looking to get gigs. Um, well, uh, the first thing to do is really like when you look up a club is be smart about who you contact. You, you don't just jump on their Facebook page and DM them because they hate that. And, yeah. um, you know, some clubs are different. Some, some, there's a guy with his name and phone number. Uh, other times, uh, you have to look on the band calendar and look a few months down the road and see an act that doesn't have a opener listed and then contact the club. And then they contact the tour manager of that band and see if it would be a good fit. That, that's a little harder that way, but, um, I try to make sure we have a, a really good EPK, which is why I started a website to begin with, because I needed somewhere to host that. And it's, yeah. you know, I, I, I looked at tons of EPKs and, oh, I like this, or, oh, that looks tacky or whatever. And then, and just put together a really nice one. And then having uh, some real videos helped, you know, our, our first video was like uh, real production and all that stuff. We you know we had to mime, and, you know, the, the, the real deal video not just a phone at a gig video, you know? Yeah. Quality. And, um, so that helped, uh, mm. which, which actually propelled us a little further along than I, I thought. I thought would be the measly opening act a lot longer than we were. And all of a sudden we're headlining and we had to kind of get it together a lot quicker. Wow. You know, we were expected to be, you know, pretty big, you know, I was pretty good at marketing and got us, uh, a, a lot farther quicker than I expected. But, um, so that that's one way and then of course like uh you know a friend of a friend hopping on the opening slot and i always try and get an out-of-town band so that uh they can pay us back uh, they don't always do but you yeah know, um <clears throat> yeah I've had that. Are some other ways i'm sure it's probably the same same there we don't do any pay to play or anything like that no I think that's a really interesting point you've uh, jumped on there, though, which I didn't think about. Video is so important these days because, you know, everyone jumps on a phone, they scroll after five seconds. If they don't see something interesting, they scroll away. So I'm kind of, I am kind of think a lot of people don't read as much online now because this, we're all like digital magpies. I always say that. We're always looking around for the next shiny thing to look at. So I think it's so important for a band to have a music video Especially if you want to have a, if you want to try and get a gig, especially if you want to make it look like you know that's what you're going to do for that venue. So having a, a like a video like you've got and obviously professional looking one that makes it look like oh this is you know it, it shows the club owners it, it gives them some expectations of what the band's going to be like, and I, you can't do that in words or a track, you know. Yeah, I remember uh, I sat down with a, a promoter years ago when I was in another band and showed him uh, a press kit, and he just shot it all down. And he goes, what is this? You got like a guy who used to be in a band two years ago in your bio and da-da-da. He goes, the rule is, if I picked up the phone and called you and told you to set up in front of me and be down here in 15 minutes, what am I going to get? Wow. And I was like, okay, that's okay. So now I try and like always word it like that, like... Well, you know, if, if you walked in the room and we started playing, this is what you could, this is what you yeah. can expect. Yeah. Just kind of like all the junk. Kind of like a visual elevator pitch, isn't it? Of like, this is what we are. This is what yeah. you're going to get. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so how do you, I should have asked this question before the show's one really, but how do you go about writing your songs? Because they're quite epic. And I know 
you did a, a Q&A on my website about this, and one of the interesting things is you you write live for live performances, don't you? Like, and which you don't repeat again. That's what you uh, mentioned. Oh, yeah. Um, our, our shows are, you know, we have like songs, of course, and we sort of like string them together with the synthesizer or, or trippy stuff in between them. And it's all one long, continuous 45 minute thing. Um, wow. We have, uh, sometimes we use an intro, sometimes we don't, depends on the mixing board at the club and hmm. stuff like that. But we, we walk on one at a time and, and start playing and the next member comes on and joins in and then it's up and running in a, in a minute or so. And we don't stop the entire time. And, <laughs> and it's all worked out. Like after a few minutes or, or a couple pieces, one of us will take over so the guitarist can retune or hmm. like, you know, the singer can get a drink, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's all like planned out. So we don't have to stop. And, uh, because, uh, you know, we, we all know the bands that play one song, stop, everybody yeah. claps. This song is called this, and then they play that song and stop, everybody clap. You know, it's just they just go down the list and demonstrate songs one at a time. Yeah. But I, I remember, like, going to see, like, Broadway shows or Cirque du Soleil or something like that, and it was all one long thing. The uh, Cirque du Soleil, I don't know why I brought that up, but, they, you know, they don't do this amazing thing and it's stop. And everybody yeah. claps and they're like, okay, now I'm going to do this, watch this. And, you know, it's just, they just keep going. And, and so I always thought that was really cool. And, you know, there are some bands that have done that, but you, you don't see it that much. You know, they might segue two or three songs together. And sometimes you do have to stop, you know, but there was always this like insert applause here kind of thing, you know, and it's like, we, we don't have that, you know, we, um, you know, they clap at the end and we do say good night, but it's the only time I ever talk to the audience. And so it saves me from having to come up, come up with clever uh, banter or whatever. Yeah, you know? I, mean, I, I, I just love think it's more interesting. that. Like, uh, I mean, I like it on albums as well when songs go from one to the other, and you know, they they kind of become this one big track. Um, not many albums do that. Not nowadays. Uh, honest, not nowadays. Dark Side of the Moon used to do it, and then they split it up on cds when it first came out think digitally i think it was just one file you could get and then they split it up what i really like about that is like that perspective is that you're thinking about like the stage well as a show more of a theater production and i think that's like kind of what people are missing out on in the lockdown it's kind of an advantage you know like years ago when we used to when mobile phones first came out, iPhones, let's say touchscreen came out, and we were putting mobile gate mobile games on them, and we were just trying to think about it in the same way we were using normal console games, but we didn't think, oh, the controls the controls don't work, but we were still shoehorning it into this new platform. Things that don't really work on the new platform. I kind of think that's the way it's gone, and it's really obvious now with lockdown performances. That you'll watch your band play live now on a lockdown performance, and because the there's no kind of audience there, it just feels a bit hollow because they're still doing that thing where they play a song, they stop and go, "Hey, now we're going to play the next song." And I think, from like your perspective, thinking about it, it should be seen as more of a, a theatre production. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like I was watching, uh, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan at all, <laughs> but I was recently watching WrestleMania, and at the end they did cinematic matches. 
where the Undertaker, one of the wrestlers, would fight someone else, but it was done in a cinematic way rather than just in a ring and with no crowd because obviously you can't have any crowds at these arenas anymore, so it's really empty. And I thought that's a really interesting way to approach it. And they should kind of approach live gigs now during the lockdown in a similar way, as if you're watching a kind of theatre production of it, you know, with cameras on the stage and all this kind of thing, if they could. And I think that's just an interesting way to like approach this problem we've got at the moment with, like, lockdown gigs, because they feel, a lot of them, to me anyway, feel quite hollow, because we've just shoehorned what we did live on stage to an online medium. And I feel like there's a missing opportunity to do something kind of theatrical or new in that arena. But I know that just came to me when you said that. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any thoughts on that. Um, so, so we got to talk about how you get shows. Uh, we talk about how you write the songs to shows. About recording, what's that process like for you guys? Uh, our first few round of recordings were a local producer. Um, he was looking to do something a little more experimental, and we hooked up and. Uh, I don't know, the process was probably not much different than other bands, except that we, we do record with no regard to how we're going to pull it off live. <laughs> but I, we like to just have the recording uh, product be its own thing. Yeah. And live, if we play the song, good. If we don't, whatever. We just made a product. And, uh, you know, and we pull it off. Uh, and some are different. And some are blueprints for what we might play live. But... For the most part, we don't worry about it. Like, you know, I've played with bands that are like, oh, how are we going to pull that off? This has got like five guitar tracks on it. <laughs> it's like, you know, so what? It sounds cool. Let's just use it, you know. So we just mm -hmm. like would make the, we use a studio as an instrument, so to speak. Yeah. You know, we go through all the menu, you know, endless menu pages like, oh, that sounds cool. Can we have that? You know? <laughs> and and just make it as cool as we can and, and go from there and. Um, and we're actually, we, we started recording uh, two songs before the lockdown. We got the drums and bass down and then everything shut down. And it's yeah. a shame because we were in top form with rehearsing. I've been singing a lot and I actually had this like Sex Pistols tribute band I sing in. Wow. And uh, so I've been singing like a ton. And now I haven't sang a note in like four months. So it's like, uh, you know, I was, I was looking forward to being like in top shape and record like that. And um, so that that's that's it in a nutshell, really. Probably not so, much different. Than so do you, you go into a studio, then you don't record it yourself. You actually go into an, a studio and with the uh, engineer and producer, or do you do any of those roles yourselves? Uh, we kind of produce it ourselves, but mostly just because we're in the band and we know how the, the song should go. And of course we have the final say, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know anything about recording equipment. I just know what I like and I yeah. know I'm the type to say, make it sound like I'm, uh, singing from inside of an orange or something, you know, and he yeah. has to figure out what that is, you know, like, uh. I like that. David Bowie was like that as well. Uh, there's a, a part when he was recording Lodger where he said, um, I think he said something like, make it sound like there's dead people behind the wall. And the producer was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Let's just All press right, that. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Have a sit down, Dave. Let me go and sit down, Dave. <laughs> Have a cup of tea. 
Yeah, I wish I knew more about it, but I don't. But our yeah. player actually knows a lot, and he'll talk in like EQ settings and yeah. filters and things like that. And I'm just yeah. kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of know what it is, but not enough to communicate that way. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It does help with the communication. I'm trying to get better at it because I'm trying to be a kind of a, a self producer as well. Um, so. Can you touch on the lockdown there? So what have you been doing during the lockdown? Have you been communicating with the rest of the band at all? Have you done any kind of like, tried to get any live kind of mix going or anything? You know, you see a lot of these bands putting segments together to make a video, music video. Have you thought about doing anything like that? Because it's odd for no. us, I suppose, because we're individuals. Like I do my own music, Justin's doing his own music. And so I don't get a chance to talk to bands really to see how they're doing this on their own. You don't, you haven't done that at all. No, we had a, a, a video that was in the vault that we released because we figure everyone's on the computer now. And yeah. of course, it had its like five minutes of attention, you know, yeah. and everybody moved on. Um, and we've, we've chatted and stuff, but we haven't done any kind of, uh, you know, uh, remote videos or anything. I actually went and got my entire touring rig and brought it home and took it all apart and cleaned every little Wow. Nut and bolt and everything and put it all back together and took it back to the band room. So everything looks like completely brand new now. And wow. it's I was the only one out there playing, you know, and it's like stuff looks <laughs> better than it ever has for like any video I did or or whatever. The biggest stages with all the lights. It was never this new looking. But uh so that that's about what I've done. Uh written a few little pieces here and there, nothing. Yeah. Nothing have you got any did you have planned shows that kind of went out the window when all of this oh, happened yeah. yeah oh yeah probably five or six maybe oh. and in the studio thing it all just kind of all collapsed you know oh. are they going to be easy to kind of uh, rehash later on get back on track with yeah um back to the 45 minute shows um we're actually just decided to retire our second one and we're we we're going to write a third one Wow. Because we figure when we come out of this, you know, the world is <laughs> slightly different now. It's like just reinvent the, the band again, which, you know, we really like doing, you know, because we, we have these elaborate discussions like uh, before we write any music. It's like, okay, what have we done? What haven't we done? What would we like to do? Is there anything you want to do? Is there anything you want to do? And we, you know, just go through all these ideas and the, the best ones rise to the top. And, yeah. you know, so we're, gonna write our third show do you think it's gonna be inspired in any way by the virus lockdown and all of that uh maybe in some way but i yeah. don't think i'm gonna like use some title quarantine because everybody's gonna be doing that everybody's gonna be sick of it and it, 100%. Dates it and, yeah you know who, who knows um, i said that sure recently it's... because after all of this is done who's gonna be like oh you throw that quarantine album on that was that was good no one's gonna really want to remember all of this because mo most of it was like for the most part for all of us is quite dull staying indoors yeah. and things like that so i'm never gonna be like oh put that quarantine album on well it's but, like yeah. i said before if you you know kind of do too much of that it becomes like a christmas album it's true exactly. yeah. so the like Here's the next oh, epidemic God. around the corner, pandemic. Then get that pandemic album on. Get them yeah. out. You know, the pandemic decorations. And You've hit like something that. there, Justin, though. There's definitely going to be a quarantine Christmas album or a Christmas quarantine album. This year, someone's going to make Probably. it. Oh, Somebody's God. working on that now. Right now. Oh, God. 
we've got a couple more comments. One from Ashley, some of our live shows. Young Knives have been holding performances frequently from a caravan with loads of visuals. Really cool. Yeah, I was talking about kind of like heightening the uh, the mood of a live show rather than just being on the stage. And we've got someone called Aaron. Hello, Aaron. Welcome to the stream. Um, hello, whether or not I exist. Quite an extension. I can't even say it. Existential thing to say this early in the morning for us. Uh, next question then. Um, what is next for the band? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I suppose you've, you've uh, well, touched yeah. on it by recording the third live piece, but what about like an album or anything like that, or next recording for actual going into the studio? Uh, well, yeah, we're recording the two new songs. Well, they're not new songs, but uh, there'll be new recordings. Um, and then we won't be performing those two songs because they're from our second show. Yeah, that's not too confusing. But um, <laughs> we, yeah, once we retire a show, we don't play those songs live again. You know, I know some bands that, uh, you know, they they write their core of songs and they play them year after year. We yeah. kind of we we play them for about a year and then that's it. Um, wow, what would happen though if one of those songs got really big and everyone was chanting for it? Everyone started looking forward to it in the show, and would you start putting that in? On the set list, maybe. Um, yeah, we don't have that problem, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, yeah, we, we we joke around about like, should the band take off? You know, we'll do this like best of set. Yeah, but you know, there's no such thing now. Um, yeah, we'll see. You know, yeah. we haven't had to deal with that yet. Um, yeah, um, we've had some people ask for a song that. Uh, uh, one of our videos inside the moon got really popular some people were asking for that and we've retired that one but you know if we bring it back on you know we're not opposed to it but we we, we want people to um kind of not expect you know not not to expect what they're going to get you know they walk in and see eyeball play and they're like what the hell is all that? <laughs> yeah. um, so as far as down the road, we just work on this new show. Um, we'll try and get some more videos. We've yeah. had some things in the works that fell through either the director's schedule and then too much time went by. And it's like, well, that song has kind of passed its peak. And uh, so kind of want to keep doing videos. We really like doing that. Um, yeah. I think I mentioned in a Facebook post somewhere, I think because I think you posted the, the documentary. Uh, of, of one of the clubs you were playing at, and I thought it was really good. And because, like, I suppose we're in Liverpool across the world, and my geography is really bad. I had to look where where about you are, you know, in North Carolina and Raleigh. Raleigh is it Raleigh? Yeah, yeah. Raleigh. Yeah, I was like, well, I had a little look around in uh, Google Maps, and it's just like I always say to people, if if you're across the world from me, especially, I want to know about where you live. And that was a really good example because I was like, wow, you know, because if I ever traveled there, there's a place I could go. I know right now I've got that kind of, you know, initial little look into it. And I think that's something that a lot of musicians or DIY musicians aren't doing. They're not kind of utilizing where they live because they think, oh, it's just boring. I see it every day. But we, we're kind of like that. And then someone told me like, well, you live in the place where the Beatles are. And that's really interesting. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's that's bragging points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but also, I'm surprised how many bands don't put where they're from. You know, I'm trying to book shows with bands, and I, I I'm looking at all their social media, and they don't even say where they're from. So I'm like, I don't 
know if these guys are from the other side of the country or what. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Uh, we've got another comment there. I think it's some, is this someone you know? Maybe Aaron says, uh, "Mr. McLam can confirm or dent my extent uh, existence, or maybe not confirm or deny." Sorry for the typo. Yeah. <laughs> That's my synth player. I guess he's right. not awake yet. <laughs> yeah. Again, I said uh, before we went live. I'm really sorry for getting you on here so early. Um, it was like seven a.m. over there when we uh, went live, and something that we definitely have to think about going forward. Um, okay, last question. Eight, question eight: Advice for those starting out. Now, I know you did answer this on the uh, website, but maybe other answers. So, people just start on music now and want to get into it, but they're a bit like, "Oh, this is so much, it's so overwhelming and intimidating. All this gear and all of this stuff." Or people later on in life want to get back into doing music. Have you got any kind of advice for how it's worked out for you? Yes, just uh, start wherever you are. Don't wait until you're ready because who knows when that is you know and yeah. uh you're gonna make mistakes so go ahead and knock them out you know uh, still as long as i've been doing this i'll look at some email i sent a year ago and i'm like oh god i can't believe i worded it like that or uh i spelled this person's name wrong or whatever you know you will make mistakes but just learn from them yeah uh, and Definitely expect obstacles because they will happen. Um, but you have to, you know, if you don't do anything, nothing will ever come of it. So you have to plow through and uh, perseverance is definitely the key. Um, and just try and create a lot of content because, mm. uh, you know, I, I got, I've been in bands before where they did one album the first year they were together and then that was it. And it just sort of milked that one accomplishment. Yeah. You know, until the end of the band and just keep going and keep going, keep looking forward. Don't hang on the past and uh, always try something new. Um, they won't all be gold, but, you know, some will, some won't. That's just how it is. But take any popular band and look at their whole discography. They always have those little lulls in there, but, you know, they always come out of it with something magical. And you yeah. never know when that's going to happen. You can't plan that stuff. You know, I love um, it. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. That's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I agree with the lull thing because we haven't mentioned them. Radiohead. <laughs> we have an alarm. You know, we know we we sh like a <laughs> invisible alarm. We have to click whenever Radiohead gets mentioned. Got to do it at least once every yeah. single one. But um, uh, I even. I read uh, a Black Sabbath uh, biography recently, and I never realized how many albums Black Sabbath put out. And you can't even find most of them on Spotify because they don't want you to hear them. But that's what the general consensus is because they're not very good. Some of them. I have them all right here. You have them all? Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've, I'm dying to hear them. So I might actually go on a kind of download spree at some point and go through them all because some of them sound really interesting to me, but financially didn't do very well. I think it was just with uh, Tommy Ioni. Just, just him in the band, and, and trying different things out, and I was like, "Oh, that's quite interesting." But yeah, you're right. Everyone has lulls, and um, you've got to learn from it. But also, recording more is a great idea because you create a back catalogue. So when you do end up getting some attention at some point, people can go back and go, "Wow, look at all this music I can now jump into." So if you just got that one album, you 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 can pimping out every year. You're never going to give your future fans that you know that gift. 
I'm still discovering new stuff from like the sixties, you know, and I look and yeah. they have like 15 albums out. I'm like, wow, where's this been my whole life? And yeah, you know, and, and sometimes you, you know, you put something out now, it might not be that important, but three years down the road, somebody's going to discover you for the first time. And yeah, they got that stuff to go back on and check out, you know? I always think as well, when you discover a band now, and you go, wow, all these albums, maybe you weren't ready to listen to them years ago. Maybe you'd, you've accrued all this kind of musical experience and knowledge and emotion that you can only appreciate that band right right now in the time of your life. I, 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 that's what I tell myself anyway, because I feel like, oh, God, I should have listened to this album years ago, but maybe I wasn't ready for it. I wouldn't yeah, have appreciated oh, that it. Yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, we've got another comment on it. Ashley says, at any rate, what one person might consider a lull is often another highlight. Yeah, it's a good point. True. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a good point. It's like, yeah, me with the Black Sabbath stuff. Do you, what do you think about the, the other, all of the Black Sabbath uh, discography then? Are you fans of it all or do you see those lulls? Just a point of interest, really. I've read that book. Uh, no, I, I, I recognize that some is gold and some is just okay, but uh, I, I really like Tony Iommi. And even yeah. if I don't like the song, you know, I can zero in on just him and the, the guitar solo or there's just always something i like about it he's there and, yeah you know there might be a few songs here and there that are duds that i just don't get into but um but you know i already had all the really popular stuff yeah so i was curious about what some of the others were just like you said and um so i got them all and I, you know when you kind of piece together uh, what bridged one album to the next you know yeah. it's kind of interesting to see what he went through at the time you know he was just had hired guns help him do an album to fill a recording contract. And, and, you know, every album uh, of that kind of strange periods, there's always like at least two or three tracks that are really good. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of just see what he was going through as an artist, you know, what it was like to be in black Sabbath. And then, you know, here's uh, 15 years later, you're kind of trying to, put your career back together what do you come up with you know yeah you know, it's kind of cool just to see what he did you know i love that because imagine somebody saying that about our music you know 15 years later someone piecing together all of our music and you know if you didn't put out any music you wouldn't give anyone the chance to be able to do that and uh, make these fans um actually says no go ahead go, go, that's true i was saying i love all those middle albums like when i discovered the beatles you know i had a uh, Magical Mystery Tour and Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. And it blew my mind. And then yeah. I went and bought another one. And the first one I got was uh, uh, Let It Be. And I took it home and listened to it. I was like, what happened? <laughs> I was expecting more of that psychedelic stuff. Yeah. And I didn't, were... I didn't go through the White Album phase to hear yeah. when they kind of reinvented themselves again. I didn't get it yet. Now, uh, now I totally do. I understand. Yeah. But you have to get those in-between albums sometimes to understand why the album you know, three albums later sounds like it does, you know. The the Beatles are an amazing example for that, aren't they? Because it's obviously so well known, but everyone gets everyone says, Oh, I prefer the early period or the later period, you know, but like you've got to appreciate that whole journey of like some starting with like please please me to get to the likes of like Abbey Road. I appreciate that whole journey. It's, uh, it's amazing. I prefer the uh, you know the red to the blue or the blue <laughs> to the red. But that's an interesting thing is that the red and the blue are so polarized in regards to Beatles styles. Yeah. You know, it's once cool. you have them all and can listen to them all in, in chronological order, it, it the, the whole story becomes a lot clearer. You know? Yeah. Mm. 
it's amazing. And I, I'm hoping people do that with all of our music in years to come, go through the, the start to the end and come up with the same kind of thing. Uh, Ashley says, how many years have Radiohead fans been feverishly debating discography rankings? Yeah, mentioned Radiohead. So you Ash got the uh, Radiohead in. Um, let's end the questions with a, a bit of Easy Rider. Now, this is a game. I tried to explain this to Trey at the start, and I completely messed it up. But basically, I will put to Justin and Trey a list of demands an artist will ask uh, the producer of a gig. It's basically a rider, and you've got to guess which artist it is from these demands. Now, it's it's not going to be easy, so you just ask questions, and I'll come back with yes or no. It'll quickly become more than yes or no when we, when we don't guess what it is. So I'll basically list these. You'll get it. Okay, and then you read out the name of the artist then. Okay, this, I've got quite a lot for this person, but I'll just try with the. I'll start with the dressing room. Beginning two hours prior to performance, this artist dressing room must have a new trophy delivered every ten minutes. Suggested trophies include most beloved, best show of the year, and best musician. Creativity is encouraged as the artist is starting to get bored with these. I've got some more as well, but I'll start with that. Um, you can play at home as well. No one will see the uh, answer if you want to. Guess on the side. This is a toughy one. This is a slightly tough one. You got to get. We ask questions so you can kind of like discover who it is. Uh, you know. You know. I'm with you. I'm with you. Is There's this no... one tough because they are not very well known? <laughs> Oof. Um. Because it quickly goes off to yes or no, doesn't it? Um. Like no. You can answer yes or no. 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 Go on, Trey. Ask yeah. question. Is it a pop artist? No. As in, uh, wait a minute, pop is in what sense? Like popular is in the pop charts or a popular artist? Yeah, you know, dance music, uh, all the... Oh, no. Uh, um... it's, a, it's a tough uh, one. Oh. Are they popular with... They have a, a huge following. Well, they must do. I mean... Yes, very huge. To get very, to the point Very huge. Can I say that? Very huge. Just huge. Saying give me a trophy, then I'm going to say they're pretty big. I'll read an, another bit. All right, this is a note about security. All security staff must carry blankets and pacifiers and be prepped to offer hugs and comforting pats in case artists are feeling vulnerable. Hmm. Is it one artist or a group? One. Uh, one. I'd, I'm guessing this person has got a band, but it's one per, one name that you'd know. All right. Okay. It's very it's it's, it's a tough one. You're guessing this person has a band. Yeah, but you, you won't know, know who this person yes. is. Everyone everybody knows who this person is. I, I will give you a massive clue in a second, but here's another note a note about instruments. These must be guarded by at least one hostile looking biggest yardie who tells repellingly boring stories. They're from the UK. No, not not from UK. Yard, I think Yard was a typo from my notes. It should have said Guard. Because the Yard is... Uh, yeah, forget Yardy, it's Guard. London. And it was a said that as well. It's a, it's a typo. It should have said Guard. Okay. Are they from America? Yes. That doesn't mean that Trey's going to instantly get it. <laughs> He's American. I know yeah, him. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, well, for questions... Did you say whether it was rock? 
Is it male or artist? female? Male. And are they a rock artist? I would say I'll give you the genre. I would say it's folk. Let me let me Google it, but you keep asking questions. Folk. A male folk artist. Are they country? Um oh god. Not really. I don't know. If I tell you the instrument, you'll probably get it. So I don't want to. It's a someone who plays an instrument famously. So, oh, is it a long golden instrument? What? <laughs> a brass instrument? Oh, I see. Um, no. Uh, I don't know. Can't even like look at the genre and. I... So I was gonna go with um well, what's he called? The saxophone no. guy. Um okay, so I'm looking for the genre of this instrument. Um oh god, no. Are they a singer? Uh yes. Well, I think he's—I think he sings, but he's more known for the way he plays. Okay, massive clue. He's not cool. He's not primarily known as a musician. He's—he's he's more famously known for something else. But he is a musician, and I, and I think most people know he does this as well. So he's famous. Yes. It is Trey. Trey, you didn't even ask. You asked like two uh, questions, <laughs> and just came that in. That's a hard one. Straight away, I was thinking, "Oh, Trey, Trey's not going to get this. He can't. Even, he can't think of any questions." And then you just, yeah, Steve Martin. <laughs> I've actually seen him before. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Does he? Does he sing? No, he, he tells jokes in between. Yeah. He's playing with a bluegrass band and uh, bluegrass. That was the yeah. That's the, the genre. Should have I, I guess with. that's what they were. Yeah, and. He, you know, he tells jokes between the songs and stuff, and of course. The genre I was looking up was just coming up with banjo music. So I thought, if I said banjo music, it's it. you weren't ready for that. I think Justin might have got that straight away. Would you have got that, Justin? I've said banjo music? Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anyone else who's fame. well, who plays banjos, but is, is famous for something else. I was going to guess Bella Fleck, but then he said he's famous for something else, and I don't know what else... Yeah, about him to know if he does anything else. But. Coincidentally, I can't remember. I don't know any Steve Martin banjo songs. Um, I, he has been on Twitter recently during the lockdown playing banjo in his garden. <laughs> he, he is good. He's, he's he is good. good. Yeah, he's very yeah. good. Yeah, I think he was breakdown. Foggy is that one of the yeah. songs? Yeah. No, it's a standard. Oh, yeah, is it? That's true. But, yeah. but he's the, very good. Oh, yeah, okay. He's good at it. Other standards, I've got them on here on Wikipedia here, as well as Foggy Mountain Breakdown. Dueling Banjos, obviously. <laughs> Cripple Creek. Anyone know that one? Yep. Blackberry Blossom. Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, I suppose Cotton Eye Joe. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that was an original song before they sampled it for that dance song. Half Tenters are kind of jumping to that and have a look. Uh, I'll Fly Away and Wildwood Flower. Um, I've got a banjo upstairs. I haven't. Could have mentioned, I could have mentioned, could have mentioned you've got one of these instruments upstairs, um, and Steve Martin's upstairs. He's um, playing it now. He's playing it now. He's, he's going to get a phone call. Have you checked the children? That's a 90s film reference. Um, 
So that is the end of this episode, weirdly enough. Um, Trey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, what link would you like me to put in the comments? I've got your Bandcamp one in the in the description, but is that the one you'd like to put out or your website? Uh, the website, eyeball-band.com. Oh, I'm going to get ready for some reason. Uh, there we go. I just clicked on the wrong one. Website. If anyone listening, I'll put this in the description of the uh, the Audible f- formatted podcast. But there you go. Check out the band. Of all. Yeah. Um, we're going to count out now, and um, we're going to see you next time in a couple of weeks. But again, thanks, Trey of Eyeball. Um, go and listen to the band. They're awesome. And we're going to jump out. So, bye. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Three. And do a freeze. <laughs>